Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VGW. void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Two Slips in a Gully. I am joined by Gary tonight. How are you, Captain Gary? I'm good, mate. Yourself? I am excellent. It's Ashes season. How could I be anything but... Uh, we got off to a win together. How great is that? Oh, it was one of the best tests I've seen in a long time for us. Mm, very comprehensive. We had a bit of a wobbles in the middle, but then what a fight back from uh, Travis Head to get us out of trouble and then... Again, England put together a bit of a partnership in the second innings and uh, got together, buckled down, did the job, yeah. busted them open. Nice to see the new skipper get a few wickets. Yeah. Pfeiffer on debut as a captain, so that's not bad from Paddy. So, yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled a bit. And the next test is coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon as we record this, so yep. we're going to have plenty of cricket coming our way. Couldn't be better. Uh, for those of you been following along, all through the 90s episodes that we have done, uh, we have been keeping track of Australia's two most prolific 90-getters. So obviously, uh, Michael Slater would be one, famously getting nine scores in the 90s, but he was actually pipped by uh, Steve Waugh, who has ten scores in the 90s. Eight of them were dismissed, two of them were not out. So as we get to the episode, we've just been doing a, a bit of a call, a call back to uh, those... Those innings. Uh, and this time, it's just one. 98. We've only got one entry, and that was Tugger in 1994. First innings against Pakistan in rural Pindi. Uh, put, Australia put together a massive 500-plus total in the first innings. I'm pretty sure Slats actually got the job done and got 100 in that game, if I remember right. And uh, they put on a big, big score, and then they forced... Pakistan to follow on, and uh, Pakistan then went on and scored 500 runs of their own, and the game petered out into a draw. But uh, yeah, Tugger was two away from adding to what was an impressive 
already an impressive century tally. Um, and the, his, his brother Mark got a 50. Michael Bevan got a 50. Healy got a 50. So they played on the road. Then. Yeah. Taylor got a 50. So, so it was plenty definitely of runs. a road. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of runs. Plenty of runs are on offer. But, yeah, so that was one of Tugger's 90 scores. So, so close. So close to adding to that very impressive century tally. Unlucky, but what would have been... Uh, yeah, runs are plenty in that game. As uh, yeah, then another five they got Pakistan out for two hundred odd in the first innings, and then made them follow on. And five hundred and thirty-seven runs later, yeah, the game was pretty much over. They were all tired. <laughs> uh, so as you might have guessed, for the rest of this episode, we are going to be chatting all things Ashes from the first test, and of course, give our thoughts on where they're going to go for the next test. So uh, sit down, strap in, enjoy the ride, and we'll get stuck into all things Ashes cricket right after this. Got it! Patrick Sloverball, beautifully bowled. One down, four to go. Australia's one nil up in what was poised to be a a, a, a pivotal game of the series. Uh, we talked about it in the well, Glenn and I talked about it in the last episode that the first test was going to be vital and that we thought that England really needed to come out and give Australia a bloody nose. And uh, as we can see, that uh, that didn't quite happen. A, a resounding nine-wicket victory inside of four days for the Aussies. No, no. No bloody nose here, my friend. No bloody nose here. And uh, it, was a, it was an odd game from an English perspective right right from the start, or even before the start. So the start was terrible for, for England. Oh. Rory Burns getting dismissed first ball. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. I think it's happened four times in the history of Test cricket. I think they were talking about that on commentary, yeah. So the fourth ever opening batsman dismissed first ball of a Test. That's, uh, you know, and I think it's the first time it's happened since the 50s or something, some oh, ridiculous thing. I wasn't born then. So <laughs> but even before the, the calamitous first ball, um, there were some really interesting decisions being made. So James Anderson was ruled out the day before. Uh, with what was suspected to be a calf strain, but what turned out to be load management, and he was resting him for for the second test, and then uh, and then Stuart Broad was given um, a pass over for for this test. So they had eleven hundred test wickets, and their two most experienced bowlers in Australia sitting on the sidelines for the first test. Yeah, I was a bit shocked at that one actually. Oh. I, I think that I thought they'd take at least one of them. I, I know I know they're trying to like get them both in the day night test. Because, you know, that's where things happen for them, guys. But seriously. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, England had this plan right from the get-go. They they landed in Australia and said, this is what's going to happen. We're going to, um, you know, the Gabba was a bit of a road against India. Let's get in there. We'll keep Anderson and Broad fresh. Let's get out of the Gabba with a draw. So it's nil all. We'll get out all our guns firing. Everyone's fit. Everyone's healthy in a back-to-back test. We'll get out and we'll really monster them in the pink ball test. But then when they arrived at the Gabba, it had been raining all week, and it was overcast on day one. The, yeah. the pitch was green. You're never going to get better bowling conditions as an English bowler than what you got day one at the Gabba. Oh, no. Not ever. But it seems that rather than tinkering with the plan to keep these guns on the sidelines and keep them fresh and ready to go for, uh, for Adelaide, they decided... And you know, change the plans, get them in. Let's really go after Australia here on this really good-looking bowling deck. They just sort of went, no, no. The plan was rest Broad, rest Anderson, get yeah. through unscathed, get yeah. a draw, get to Adelaide. But just 
Unfortunately, nobody told that to the Australian bowlers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm sure that's a, that's a great plan that you have there. However, you've got to face some of the some of the best bowling I've seen in a long time from a few of those guys. Mm. Well, Stark looked better than he's looked in oh. quite a while. Um, but another question, like Nasser Hussain sending Australia in in 2003, I think has just scarred England for life. Yeah. They just won't go. Like, let's face it, without being disrespectful, I know that there's plenty of gaps in, in Australia's batting lineup heading to this game, but England's batting lineup is awful. Yeah. There's one batsman that averages over 40. Yeah, which is Joe Root. Yeah. The, the rest of their batting lineup, statistically speaking, are garbage in terms of yeah. how it suits in. You know, so your strength is obviously your fast bowlers. Yeah. Best conditions you've got, you know, you've gone with Mark Wood, you're quick, you've got overhead conditions on your side, you've got a green wicket, you know that the, the weather's probably going to be good in the middle bit, which will then dry the pitch out and will start getting better for batting. Get in there. Just, just take it to the Aussies. Yeah, I, I really think Pat Cummins was really happy to lose that toss because he probably didn't know what to do. And he probably, you know, by the same token, you know, we hear that in Australia all the time. You Nine times out of ten, you win the toss and bat first. The tenth time, you think about bowling and you and bat you first. first yeah. So he, if he won the toss, it's very he would have stuck to his guns and went, well, I should be batting first. It's an Australian thing to do. But this is a time for Joe Root to really take a gamble here and go, yeah. Let's go and get because he's got to be looking at that thinking, man. If this does, if this does a bit early day one, we could be in a real hole early, and that's what it was. They got bundled out for a hundred odd, hundred and forty, yeah. and that was it. The game was essentially over then. Like, yeah, unless they they did some magic and, and you know the whole third session got washed out, and then when they came, they, Joe Root must have just been just head in his hands when he opened his <laughs> curtains on day two, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. He's yeah. just. What do yeah. I what do I gotta do? What do I gotta do? All the demons in the pitch were gone, and all that sort of stuff was uh, out of there. And Australia had an awesome batting deck, and proceeded to um, pile on the runs. Well, yeah, there was a there was a bit in it. There well, was, was a little bit. There was yeah. a bit of bit of bounce. It was a lot of trampoline like bounce, but there was you know Warden Robinson and Wokes when they got the right areas, got the ball to jump a little bit at at a particular end, but. Uh, they, you know, they saw off Marcus Harris, and then Warner and Lavishane got together and um, really got stuck in. That was another thing that really annoyed me about the England approach. So they bundled out David Warner for 95 runs across the whole series in England. Yeah. And the way they got the left-handers, not just Warner, all the left-handers out, is Broad and Anderson and everyone else operated around the wicket and were trying to drag Warner forward, getting him nicking off to the slips. The only bowler that went around the wicket consistently to Warner was Mark Wood, and he bowled nothing but bounces. Yeah. Look, I, I know that we've said, and they would understand that as well, that Kookaburra does not swing as much. Um, you know, it's not going to do the same as a juke ball. But surely you've got to start with that plan to see if you can you know, wrestle any demons out of, you know, yeah, battle yeah. scars out of Warner from being bundled out early. And all it's going to take, if you get one nick early while Warner's um, still trying to find his feet, yeah. Warner's sitting there going, man, all over again. They're all over me. Adam Gilchrist said that when he was facing Flintoff in 05, he was just, every time Flintoff went around the wicket to him, his heart sank because he just knew that Flintoff was going to be all over him. But yeah. surely you've got you've to start there. And if Warner, you know, if the ball doesn't do anything and Warner ends up crashing through the line and getting some runs, then, then you change your plan. But surely you've got to go with what worked first up. Well, so, yeah. You, and the guy, have sort of, he'd be scarred from that sort of series. 
And when you think about it, that series not, it was not that long ago for Australia. We haven't played that many tests since then. Mm. Um, so it's it's just the way it is. Like I, I, I that's that's the way I would have started it. But you know, I just I play cricket, Mathis, whatever. <laughs> Uh, and what was more, it's like broad, broad destroyed Warner, absolutely. And that's the way you got to you got to get Warner out quick and early and get it, guys like Labuschagne and Smith, while the ball's still new. Because if you if Warner gets off to a decent start, by the time you're getting to Smith, the ball stop doing anything, and it just becomes even harder to to yeah. make. So you've got to attack early, and which is why it even confused me more. They went without Broad and with Leach. And it certainly paid the price because I called this in our last podcast that Leach's value in this particular game on a gabble wicket that was going to be green, plenty of moisture in the pitch, you'd surely be better off t- bowling, taking four quicks and Ben Stokes. And and they paid the price because Leach was leaking runs. Oh, it was good to watch. <laughs> yeah, he um, he was he was really a target for them. He re- they really wanted they wanted to break him. From ball one, he oh, just got totally ball one. Oh, well, I think what you went for one run in his first over, and then from that point on, everything was charged down the wicket and just tonked him everywhere. I remember that uh, Pat Cummins, when they finally got down to Pat Cummins, he blocked one ball off Jack Leach, and the next one he hit him over extra cover. It didn't go for yeah. four, but he came down through the bat at it, hit it. I'm like, even our number eight batsman has yeah. coming out going. The, the mission is mission statement is hit Jack Leach out of the attack. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's just it, – I, I think it really puts England in a bit of a hole. I mean, they're going to feel like they have to pick Jack Leach because you have to pick a spinner. That's how yeah. um, cricket teams work. But uh, I just don't think he holds much value, especially with all the left-handers in our team where the ball's going to be spinning back into them. I, I, I think also that it's, it's not just about that test match. I reckon it's about the series because he's – well, arguably, other than Joe Root, he's your best full-time spinner. Um, he's 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 not really going to go well at Sydney and and Adelaide. Well, I, Sydney you might. Sydney's the only pitch that I think will be mildly conducive. To, I can't see him going well yeah, at I, Adelaide. It's going it, you you want seam ball. You want just yeah. pace battery. You want to make use of that ball while it's doing stuff. So you just want to just run in and bowl quick after quick after quick. You don't need a spinner, especially yeah. if you get the chance to bowl at night time. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just yeah and. They've got him still in the squad. We'll get to talking about the second test shortly, but he's still in the squad for that one. So, yeah, just England, like, for their bowl, their first bowling innings, they had no luck at all. No, they they, they bowled David Warner off a no ball, and then we go and watch the replays, and Ben Stokes had actually bowled like four or five no balls four, consecutive. Four, 14. 14 all up, yeah. but I think he bowled yeah. four consecutive no balls before he took the wicket and got called. Uh, you know, catches went down. They they just you know, David Warner slipped short, over yeah. coming yeah. down the wicket, and they miss a really easy sort of run out chance because they did not have the rub of the green, unfortunately for them. And, and they just had a weird bowling strategy too. Like Mark Wood, Mark Wood's uh, figures were tremendous. When you're watching the effort that he put in, it was phenomenal. And like I'm a bit of a Wood detractor. I don't see a lot other than him being bowling really quick. There's not a lot to him. And I don't think this test proved me wrong. He bowled very well, don't get me wrong, but Warner was immediately on the back foot all the time, just yeah. fending off short balls. And I think at some point Wood needed to pitch it up and try to get Warner to drive him through the covers. You need Warner coming and trying to prop forward and then smashing with the bouncer. If you're just coming in bowling bouncer after bouncer after bouncer, yeah. you, you, 
you'll get used to it and then you, you set up for it. And then then if you fire that one in that's going to be a drive, when you set back up, you, you catch the edge. Yeah. Or if you're sitting there driving you and then all of a sudden you bowl that bounce, that's the one that you catch him out. I think it was just too one-dimensional from, from Mark Wood. Bold, line-hearted, fantastic. I, I think England's best bowler. Yeah, um, I'd have to agree with that. Over the, the course of the whole test, Robinson, I think, at, had was probably had the best spell. Yeah, but I think over yeah. the course of the whole test, Mark Wood was probably their best bowler. But I just they, they just used him as a battering ram, and I think that you yeah. need just a bit more from that. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Like I, They only dismissed um, Labashain and Warner from their mistakes. I mean, Warner's was, yes, it was a slower ball. It was just after drinks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, maybe Smith as well. Like it was a nothing short ball from Wood to Smith that he sort of just fended at for no reason, and yeah, and even he knew he just yeah, he um, slammed it. So yeah, there's there's room for improvement there from the Australians. That the they lost wickets in bunches in the middle of their innings, which wouldn't have uh, uh, made Pat Cummins happy. But they luckily we had, uh, well, hopefully is the breakthrough innings from Travis Head. Oh. What a phenomenal knock he had. Plenty of detractors coming through, and not without reason. Travis Head has had his, dra- his dramas at international level, getting scores and then getting out in innocuous ways. Uh, but he was under the pump here. He came out, then Warner goes. Green gets done first ball. There's a little bit of a partnership between um, him and Carey, and then Carey goes for a dozen. And so he's looking at you know six down, the captain's in. Yeah. Australia could be bundled out only for a lead of about 50 or so, and then what a knock. He just, I think it was the third or fourth fastest, Ashes 100. Yep. But oh, I tell you what, oh, it was beautiful to watch. He just, he timed everything, and he, he just, I don't know. He hit Ben Stokes for a, a square drive, which just reminded me so much of Phil Hughes, the way he used yeah. to drive, like hit square drives. It was, And he hit it so hard. I was just, so, yeah, I, I think Travis Head's bought himself some time in the team and I think he just needs to go on now and he, he knows he's good enough. He's oh, just yeah. got to, same as always, he's just got to bat with the right temperament, get through that first 20 or 30 runs, get himself set, and then don't give it away doing anything dumb. And that was fantastic from that. He just I, he, I, actually, batted, he batted with a clarity I haven't seen from think, Travis Head. I think he was on six off about 20-something balls mm. and then ended up on, you know, 100 off. 80. Yeah, and that's the thing that happens. Like when they bowl, she got a lot of runs off Jack Leach, and so if you if that's Stuart Broad operating around the wicket, even if it's not um, doing a whole deal, it's a different line that he's got to face. Yeah. and you know you can you can pin him down. Yeah. You can sort of control his scoring areas a little bit if you're bowling well. But Jack Leach wasn't offering anything resembling control, and then obviously what we see Travis Head gets into a groove. And then he starts hitting everyone around the park. Yeah. So. It worked. <laughs> it worked. Uh, so, yeah, so like I said, Australia marched on, massive score. Um, and then England come out, get a, a little bit of a solid start, but then it's the two big guys, uh, or the guy actually that I called in the previous podcast who I thought was the key to their batting lineup. We all know that Joe Root is yeah. going to get his, but I think the key cog in that batting lineup is Darwin Milan. He yeah. has to have a good series if England are any chance. He looks he, pretty good. And he did. He looked good. They both scored 80 apiece and looked like they were sort of turning some momentum. And if they batted on and the guys, you know, Stokes and Pope and Butler got together and 
carried on the, the platform could have set Australia, you know, something around 200 ish to chase on the last day, and then hopefully maybe Jack Leach plays himself into the game. Yeah. But um, yeah, some really dominating batting really looked untroubled for parts on um, late day three, and then as happens in a in English fashion, we uh, yeah. we break through. And yeah, then we'll roll on with it. We picked up the new ball and then we cleaned them all up. That wasn't even the new ball. Uh, Nathan Lyon picked up his 400th wicket, which was David Milan. Oh, that was so – I'm so glad that happened. Oh, He's yeah. been on that forever. 327 days, <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, yeah, he got that. Got the new batsman out there. And then Cam Green finally got, you know, sucker Joe Root to playing a full shot in that second innings, nicked him off. How good was that to Fantastic. see that his first one? And, Oh, kudos to Josh Hazelwood. That was a screamer. Oh, he took two really yeah, great catches down good. there at fine leg. Yeah, and then from there, the, the the quicks came out, the new ball in hand, got the job done. The ball that Cummins bowled to Stokes to get him out was phenomenal. Yeah, Pat Cummins. Squared was... him up, took yeah. a shoulder, caught in the gully. It was just, that's Ben Stokes. This is like the saviour of their batting lineup, but yep. Cummins has made him look second rate. <laughs> what a ball. Yeah, there were some really good ones in that game. I was so glad I got to watch it. But that, that second innings is indicative of the entire problem with the English batting lineup. Joe Root got a score. Uh, David Mulan got a score. No one else scored 30. Yeah. A- and that's that's not going to be good enough. If that if that conti- that trend continues in Australia, England will lose 5-0. Only weather will stop them from, yeah. from being 5-0. They need more than one person to go with Joe Root. Oh, totally. You, you, know, you need three or four. Yeah, Warner got 94, Labashane got 70, and then you got um, Head with his big 100. Yeah. But even still, you had uh, Starkey, Starkey got 30-odd. or whatever it was. And, yeah. So people went with with um, Travis Head, and, and that's how you build a score. It can't be Root shouldering the whole load. Cause it has, st- has been for years. Statistically though. speaking, Root is going to get a low score in Australia. He doesn't typically bat well here. I mean, he's in great form. But purely off stats, it is far more likely that Root will get a low score in this series than he won't. And what's England going to do if they like like knocked over Joe Root for a duck in the first innings and yeah. they were all out for a hundred yeah. or hundred and forty? So England lineup needs to be better. Uh, and this is the team they've got, the best they've got, and they've got questionable pedigree at Test level. But they're the ones they've picked. They've got to get a job done, and someone's got to get. More than one someone has got to go with Joe Root to Well, to help. I, I think the openers, um, what's his name? Um, Hamid. Yeah, he, he he looked pretty good. He um, looked very solid in yeah. trying conditions for an opener. So I think yeah. he's going to do a good job. The same thing, that the problem is with all English openers, is he's just got to find a way to get off strike a little more often. doesn't have yeah. to be a, a David Warner or, you know, hitting everything into the gap for a single, but he's just got to find a way just to turn the strike over. He, if Australia get, you know, like over after over after over at him, they'll work him out. Especially, oh, yeah. you know, they say that he bats with really low hands, so he's susceptible to the ball that rises a bit, which isn't a problem in England because the bounce isn't as high. But in Australia, he's going to get yeah. get that. So yeah. I, I think he's a guy that will grind out a, a good 20 or 30. But for, for him to really kick on and get yeah. an, a, a big score, he needs to find a way just to get away from the ball a bit. Especially yeah. early on, and once the ball starts to, to soften up and the bounce isn't going to be as as extreme, that's when you can really start to cash in and score some runs. It's a very nice drives, 
So you can see that he's got all the makings to be a a, a proper test opener. Yeah. Just I think he just needs to get off strike yeah, a little needs, more. Needs to rotate it just a little bit more and start feeling a bit more comfortable at the crease. So he's going to be one. Uh, and like and Darwin Milan has got to have a big series because I think he's a guy that looks like he could he could do a job out here in Australia. He's got a century out here as well in the last tour. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes looks really underdone. I was actually just about to say that. He looks really, really underdone. He hasn't played cricket for... Which is fair enough. He's been nursing injuries and mental health things. Yeah. Um, Which is understandable. Like, yeah, you know. long, long, long layoff. And so he only got through 12 overs for the... For the whole test, which is well, he, uh, which is even more concerning than England went with spinner because yeah, um, well there was concerns over his knee, but I've, I've read an article recently that uh, says that there's no issue, but you know, or, you know that could be just all fabricated. Yeah, yeah, you don't really know anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I did notice is that you know Ollie Robinson's come into this series with a bit of a reputation for being you know a little a little on the unfit side. Yeah. That uh, the longer the day goes on, he finds it hard to to bounce back for for you know four, fifth, six spells. Yeah, you know he gets you know, he gets tired, which is fair enough. But he's getting tired when it's twenty two degrees and yeah, cloudy like, in England. Yeah. He's over in in Brisbane. It was thirty four and seventy four percent humidity, and you could tell by the end of day two, he was struggling to. Yeah, well, to, to really back up, and it's going to just get hotter. Well, in, there, apparently there's a big heat wave coming through at the moment. Yeah, Adelaide, Adelaide's not known for its mild summers. So. Well, no, not really. I suppose it's going to be a day-night test, but you've got to spend all afternoon in the sun if you're bowling first before you get to that night session. So. Yeah, you'd be knackered by the time you got there. Uh, Bell Reef, they might end up at Bell Reef. They might do all right down there. Yeah, might be a bit cooler, a bit yeah. more English conditions. Yeah, it's only, you know... Well, Hot fourteen. That's a that's a nice segue. So how great is that that um, Bell Reeve has been finally given? Well, I think it's Blundstone as it's known now, but well, Hobart is yeah. getting an Ashes Test. It's so exciting, which is fantastic. So exciting. Um, it was really driving me up the wall listening to all these people saying, "Oh, it should be at the MCG." How great would a day night finish at the end? It's like, come on, Hobart had a test, and Australia made the right decision from a, a moral and a cultural point of view. To, to get rid of it. We couldn't host Afghanistan with their their attitudes towards yeah, women's yeah, cricket. Yeah. So we took a test off them. And then you're telling me that we take a test off Perth because they're crazy isolationists. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got a spare test and you're not going to give it to the, the, the city that you just took a test off. Well, you're going to be, there's a not, you're thinking about giving another city two cracks at the ashes? That's rubbish. I was going to message someone and say, look, I will mow the grass. Like, there's an oval down the road from my house. I will mow it every day. I'll water it. It's sin, though. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it'd be so nice. And I reckon big school. It was, it was just frustrating listening to Warney go. You can't have a an Ashes decider where you've only got twelve thousand people at the game. Like, what about all the other? I was like, how go many, away, Shane. How many people are in in the England grounds? Like, some of them aren't that that big. Most of them would max out mid twenties, I believe. Yeah, so. well, that's with all their massive big stands they put mm. in, and yeah, it's it's not just about the commercial value no. of the game in terms of gate takings. Like at some point, like. I think Hobart has been a test venue for 36 years and they've had like 13 test matches in that time or something 
horrific along those lines. I think but I've seen about six of them. So. At some point, you've got to reward the like. This is it's it's a state capital. Like yeah. Tasmania is an Australian state. Hobart is a state capital. Like yeah. <laughs> they have a they have a Sheffield Shield team that is has been six. Like, fairly successful over we, the time. We, well, two of our captains have come from there in the last few years. Yeah. So, yeah. Ponting and, and Payne, two yeah. captains. Of, they've both been from, from Tasmania. Like, it was the right thing from a cricket point of view to to give it to Hobart, and some things are worth more than commercial value. Like, sure, Cricket Australia would have made a ton of money filling out the MCG for a day-nighter. But it's it's more than that. Yeah, you, you've got to reward the... the Tasmanian cricket fan, like, other than the brand-new NBL team and the Hurricanes, what other teams, I don't think, of a professional code exists in Tasmania? They don't have an AFL side. They don't have an NRL side. I don't know enough about the A-League, but I'm pretty sure there's not a Hobart team in the A-League. No. So they're, they're starved for sport, and, you know, you've got... It's a state capital. They've got a shield side. They've got a uh, a big bash side. They've got a test venue. That yeah, yeah. You've got to give it to them. So well done to Cricket Australia for making the right decision and giving it to Hobart. And, you know, touch wood, I don't think it's going to be an Ashes decider anyway. So. Oh, no, it'll be a dead rubber, I reckon, by the time <laughs> we get there. We can only hope. Uh, so I suppose uh, before we move on to the Adelaide tests, there was one big uh, controversy that came out. Well, not a big controversy, but uh, uh, a point of interest that came out of the Gabba test, which was that England were docked five World Test Championship points and all of their players did that game for free because they were fined 100% of their match fee for slow overrates. Yeah, I really wouldn't feel sorry for them. <laughs> they still make more money in an hour than I probably make in a month. So, I think uh, a, a Crash Craddock came out and I think he said it was about $37,000 per game they get on their match fees. That's on top of their English salary. They get paid a contract by England and their match fees is... $37,000? I think so. That's I think Nobody pays me to play cricket. I need to talk to my uh, treasurer. <laughs> you're the captain of your team too, and you're not getting paid. Wow. I know. <laughs> but uh, I have seen uh, it was actually Scotty, who I'm hoping to drag back in the next couple of episodes. He made a point that he doesn't. He thinks that it's um, it's too harsh a penalty. Like, why are we penalising for slow overrates when the when the team the game finished inside of four days? So how can we say that the game is affected by slow overrates? What do you think about that uh, point of view? Well, they're supposed to bowl so many overs per day, and if they're not doing it then too bad. So you, you don't think that it's even though the test didn't end up finishing in a draw, that the test was finished early, that that shouldn't yeah. matter? Yeah, but it, it shouldn't matter. If, if it got finished in one day, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. All right, cool. We're on the same boat. I had a bit of, <laughs> I had a bit of an argument with Scotty. I disagreed entirely because they had an extra, after all the time we lost in day one, they had an extra half hour in for day two. They started early. They were supposed to bowl 98 overs in that day. They bo- didn't even bowl. They bowled 84, which yeah. was six less than what they were supposed to bowl oh, anyway. in a normal day, and they had more time, and they still didn't even get to that. And, and that, for mine, is it's just not good enough. Now, yes, the fans weren't robbed of anything. They all got to see a completed test. That's one thing. But I put this to you. England would have known they were behind the over eight, which would mean if they were playing the rules properly, 
like Joe Root and Jack Leach should have bowled more overs to help them catch up their overrate, which means that their quick bowlers aren't operating as much. Jack Leach is, is leaking runs at a prolific rate, and Joe Root, for being a, a fairly solid part-time off-spinner, is nowhere near as dangerous as Mark Wood, Ollie Robinson, and yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. So if they were playing their, doing their jobs properly and trying their best to bowl 96 overs, you know, Australia might not have lost some of the wickets that they lost. They might not have been able to afford to bowl Ollie Robinson at that spell near the new ball, which got Warner and... There wasn't that many stoppages, though. Yeah, so that's what I mean. It was just how long it took them for their quick bowlers to bowl. So they would have needed to bowl their spinners. And that's what brings... I think people don't sometimes don't realise about... It's not just about getting the game finished, but... If you're bowling too slowly, then you have to you would have to bowl spinners or part timers and things like that, medium paces to to catch up, which yeah. means that you're less likely to take wickets because you're not bowling your best bowlers, which means the batsmen have free ability to score runs or they're less likely to get out, and that's the the knock on effect of of doing that, which I think people sometimes miss when they see that going. Oh, why are we penalising England for slow over rates when there was still you know 140 overs or whatever it was yeah. still to play? Yeah. Could, couldn't have been that bad. And that's the thing in that first innings, you know, Leach and Root should have bowled more, which meant that our total theoretically would have been much higher. You know, well, they just they just need to hurry up. And 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 it's it is absolutely the right call, especially because we're a bit biased because. You know, it cost yeah. us a world, arguably cost us a world test championship because we trounced New Zealand when they came over here. Conditions in England are a lot different, but, you know, we've had the wood over New Zealand in in most matches that we play. Yeah, so yeah, if we yeah. managed to get into the final, it's, it's arguable that, you know, psychologically we've got one up on New Zealand. We could have come over the world test championship. So for the sake of, what, two overs and the, band, the penalty we got for that, yeah. we caught it. Could have potentially cost us a, a, a World Chess Championship, which now backed on with the the T Twenty World Cup would mean that our our ICC trophy cabinet is complete. So yeah, I'm very, all for enforcing these overrates because a it keeps us, the playing field fair for everybody yeah. because everyone's getting penalised, and, and b if they're doing it, it hopefully will encourage the teams to operate properly and with a little bit more integrity, which then means that it's a more truer reflection of how the um, yeah the game's going to play. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know, like, didn't they used to talk about, um, yeah, if you have two slow overrates matches in a row, they used to suspend your captain or something? Yeah, or? I think that's, I don't know if that's still a penalty, or, because I know they change it to, that they lose World Test Championship points so I think maybe the captain suspension is still in there. So it'd be interesting to see if that is if that's a, like a double up. You you lose points, and then if you keep doing it, we'll suspend your captain, sort of thing. So that'd be interesting to see. But uh, it, it hasn't worked. Teams would still yeah would still bowl slow, uh, and um, then somehow what when you know if you bowl slow again, you'll get your captain suspended. They figure out how to do it. So yeah, it's not really a, it hasn't been a massive deterrent. It's still been. Uh, been an issue, so uh, hopefully England. It's going to be interesting because England, well, theoretically shouldn't be bowling too many spinners in this pink ball test. So if right. there is an issue around the captains being suspended, um, they're going to have to be on their game because they're going to have to be bowling their uh, quick bowlers quite a lot in this in this test. If the form lines of how pink ball tests go means that quick bowlers are the ones that do the damage, yeah, especially on the lights. 
I think David Boone, he was a match referee, and he was the one who um, imposed the penalty, wasn't he? Mm, he was the one that penalised us, so we... Yeah. I, I don't know if he was a match referee for the first test, but but yeah, he, he's the one that imposed it on us. So it's going to be interesting to see how England go uh, bounce back from that because they, they're going to want to have to get their act together. Yeah. And by the same token, they're going into a game where their spinner again is probably not going to be someone who's going to be utilised a great deal or effective. Depend, you know, Adelaide in the past has been effective at the back end of the series, but, you know, that was when we were playing all day yeah. in the Adelaide Sun, whereas we're playing a lot of it at night time, so it's not getting that same baking heat the whole time. It's under covers more during the day, so it doesn't break up as much. Yeah. Um, typically, the, the pink ball does a lot of damage, which means the test usually finishes in, in three or four days, so... Yeah. Uh, meaning you don't always get that opportunity to bowl spinners at the end. So, yeah, England will be want to want to be switched on because if it is that you bowl, because they've already been penalised in the India in the Indian series over in England, they got penalised for slow over rates as well. So that'll be their third in a year. Jeez. So I'd have to imagine that uh, if there is still that, uh, um, somebody needs to do something. Honestly, yeah, pull your finger out, guys. Just do it better. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Adelaide, we have uh, been given we've been given the Australian eleven, and we've been given a twelve man squad for England. So there were some concerns for the Australian side coming out of the first test. Warner obviously didn't take the field with bruised ribs. He's been past fit, so he will take his place at the top of the order for this test. I reckon they would need a like a severe bull or something to drag him away from the ground because it, it, it's a an Ashes test. Yeah. I don't think so, champ. I'm fine. <laughs> and uh, Josh Hazelwood pulled up with a side strain, which has ruled him out for this game. They are hoping he'll be fit for Melbourne, uh, but uh, he's definitely out of this one. And it came down to Jai Richardson and Michael Nisa for that spot, and they went with Jai Richardson, which is hard to go against. He's just had such an amazing uh, domestic season leading up to this game that uh, his form's undeniable. From an for, from a nostalgic point of view, and being a massive fan of his, we're all a massive fan of his on the podcast. I really would have liked to see Nisa get a go. Yeah, if if Richardson shits the bed, I'm going to be upset. I don't think he will. I think he's going to he's going to have a really good game. He he's a really talented young bowler. I think he's going to be really good. Oh, for mine, I thought that Nisa probably settled into that Hazelwood role a little better than Richardson, so he can be that line and length, yeah. nagging away sort of bowler that uh, that Hazelwood is. And he's a better swing bowler than almost anyone in the country. And him under lights with a brand new pink ball would have been a very yeah, interesting proposition. Yeah. And the thing is, too, if John Richardson does a good job and stays fit, that means you've got Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, and the next guy in is Jai Richardson, who's, what, 24, 25? Yeah. That's it. Nice is done. He, he would need two quicks to get injured to okay. even be half a chance of well, getting a game. So if he misses, he misses out on this game... And Richardson does what we are expecting him to do, which is to be a fantastic bowler and stays healthy. He's just going to Nisa's going to be one of those guys that just never got his shot. So it would have been nice just to he's a guy that's been following the team around for two and a half years, or you know the next man in a few times, yeah. swinging conditions, pink ball, you know, oh, just give the old guy a run, just <laughs> just to say, just give him the bag of green, he deserves it, but. Uh, yeah. Like I said, leading up to Stark versus Hazelwood, the Stark versus Richardson, same thing. Nisa versus Richardson, I don't think you can make a wrong decision. I think both of them are going to do a good job. 
Um, and, and Richardson's the, the young Tyro who's taken a bag full of wickets. He's looking quick. He's looking dangerous. How's his shoulder? I know he's, he struggled with his shoulder last year. Well, he's been he's got no bowling restrictions oh, in terms okay. of overs, and he's been absolutely electric for WA so far. So yeah. I imagine that if he's got any complaints with his shoulder, that uh, they're not hampering him no, doing well, his job. So, well, you, you wouldn't think they'd pick him if he did have some. Yeah. And then we move over to the England side. So their squad has had a couple of changes. So Anderson has come in for uh, Mark Wood, as we talked about earlier. Where's George Bailey when you need him, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Anderson picked up his first ever five for Australia at the uh, corresponding pink ball test in the 17-18 Ashes. So this is what they've, they've rested Anderson broad. They've, yeah. they've given up the, the advantage of the momentum to keep them fresh for this game. So you have to imagine they're going to go with Broad and Anderson for this I, for this I, test. They'd have to. So they've got to make two changes. So Wood's obviously one of them. He's dropped out of the squad altogether. So, you know, you'd imagine Anderson comes in for uh, for Wood, so yeah. straight up. So then you've got Robinson, Wokes, Broad and Leach to go into three spots. I reckon I'd leave Wokes out. I don't know why, I just do. Yeah, I I think that that's probably what they'll do. But again, for mine, I'd be leaving Jack Leach out. It's just I just don't see he, the value. I don't see that with a pink ball. Wokes is a, is a fairly solid swing bowler. He's a bit quicker than Anderson. He's handy with the bat. I don't think Leach offers anything that outweighs that value. No. I think I'd rather have. An extra quick, especially if, if Stokes is still, like, he only got through 12 overs, and probably three or four of them, he was really struggling. Like, he was yeah. he was doing it out of grit and determination. So, yeah. you know, if he goes down again, then you've got to rotate Anderson, Broad, and then Robinson. Robinson, we've already highlighted, has some fitness concerns. You know, and Broad and Anderson aren't young guys. Anderson's been picking up a few little niggles here and there. You can see that Father Time has finally figured out where he's been hiding and <laughs> catching up to him. Um, so it's a big ask if, if Leach again starts going for runs that you've got to throw the ball back to these guys to keep doing I just think I'd rather have, A, the extra the extra batter, considering how weak yeah. the, the English batting lineup is, and another quick – I could just – if I've got, especially if I've managed to time it so that I've got Australia under lights, yeah. I just be want to write Anderson. There you go, six overs, broad. You operate from that end, all right? That's done. Turn it around, Robinson. You nagging away with that that bounce, extra bounce and that seam movement line of length. Wokes the other swing bowler from the other end. And then you get through that, and you got Stokes coming in, and then it's just constant quick bowler. So that whole night session, you've just got a quick bowler. There's no let up, yeah. and you know you're not going to get a let up. Whereas if you go through and you manage to see through the three quicks, at some point you know you're going to get leech. Yeah. So I just and, – and they like if they needed to give them a bloody nose in, in the Gabba, boy, do they need to do it at Adelaide. This oh, is the one – Definitely. This is the one that England have said to themselves, this is the game that we can win, which I think is amusing because they got towed up in the last game over here and Australia has never lost a, a pink, pink ball, ball test. test. And Cummins, Stark, and Hazelwood all have phenomenal records yeah. in pink ball games. And that Indian side that beat us and beat England over in India and in England got decimated by Australia in the pink ball test. And that wasn't even at night. Yeah. 
So there's <laughs> for all their all their confidence and bravado, and yes, they're right. The conditions of the pink ball tests should suit their bowlers, but they definitely suit ours as well. So you know, both teams get the ball at some point. Yeah, we weren't born yesterday, I'm afraid. They're um, oh, I'd really like to say they're going to sort of stand up a little bit, um, but well, they have to. And the thing is, I know their bowlers are going to do a job. But it's their batsmen that really have to stand up. Like if we get them under lights, we bowl to them under lights. They're bugging. The only one, oh, I, I think Root and Milan were. It's probably the only ones. Well, see the thing is, Root and Milan looked really good at, on day three when the ball had stopped doing stuff. But oh, early yeah. on, we knocked them over for for nothing. So if we get them under the moving ball again, there's no guarantees that even though they're yeah. in a bit of form, Root and Milan are going to. To actually do any well, so yeah, it's a it's a big game, uh, and I think it's a it's a whatever the conditions are, it's a bat first, win the toss, bat first, because you want to tire out the other team's bowlers before they get the new ball under lights. Yeah, you don't want to be having to slug out in the field and wait. And like the best time to bat in a pink ball test is obviously during the day. So, uh, and Australia is. Largely, they didn't do it quite so well against India in the last series. But overall, in our pink ball games, we've we've done a really good job of managing when we're batting versus when we're bowling and avoiding that nighttime sessions more often than not. We don't tend to play a lot of our overs under lights. Or if we are doing it, it's with a ball that isn't isn't yeah. new. Well, that, that's where your overrates come into it too. If you pick, you know, if you want to um, bat first, or you want to bowl first. I mean, to say you'll get a new ball after 80 overs. That means you have 10 overs under lights at you know at them. Where if you've got slow over rates, you might get one or two with a new ball. Mm. And you just, you're shooting yourself well, in the foot. Yeah, that's what you, you really want to get. So it's going to be interesting. Like a, an Australia's got question marks as well. Marcus Harris failed in that first innings. He looks scratched like he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. Scratched his way to nine, not out in the second in a really pressure-off run chase. Uh so he's got, you know, they've said that he's got the series. They've come out and said he's our man for the series. So it's letting him play with a bit of freedom. And they weren't the best batting conditions for an opener, but neither is this game. Right. And Marcus Harris is really going to want to have some sort of contribution from his first four innings to set him up for the rest oh, of the series. He needs to put his big boy pants on. So, you know, and he's going to be he's going to be an important wicket. Warner again, especially with Anderson Broad, I, I can't imagine that they're not going to go around the wicket to him this time. They're going to have to... He didn't He didn't look... Everyone says, he oh, he's just outstanding and all the rest of like, them. It wasn't a fluent Warner innings. No, no, it wasn't. And he gave up a couple of... He got clean bolt. Well, not clean bowled, it came off the pad, but he got bowled, it was only yeah. a no ball, he was dropped in the slips, so it certainly wasn't, you know, Wood went around the wicket and bounced him and he looked really ordinary. Yeah. I think from his mindset, he was just like, he's bowling quick enough that if I get any bat on it, I'm not going to get out. Yeah. So I'm just throwing, if it's wide, I don't care if I get sucked into throwing the bat at it, if I get anything on it, I'll hit it for four and hopefully it'll stop bouncing me. Or a guy over the slips, yeah, and get four, and I get runs for it. Uh, it he was seeing it as basically a free hit, um, <laughs> but yeah, he didn't look fluent either. And you know, he's coming in a little underdone with an injury. They say he's fit, but it's ribs, and I can tell you that I've damaged my ribs recently, and I wasn't even from a hundred and fifty kilometer per hour cricket ball. It, you know, you, you're tender. Oh yeah, it hurts. Um, so 
there is that. So they've got a big job to do because they've got to keep the, the new ball away from Labuschagne and Smith and those guys. They've got to set it up. So if England get a job done, so it's not all clean sailing. But, yeah, this is England's chance to with the bowls that they've got. And I think Root's got to be daring. He's had lots of criticism over the course of his, his career about not being daring enough as a captain. Like you're 1-0 down, and this is the game. This is for all the marbles. You've, you've, you've taken your, your two big guns out of your attack for game one on conditions that probably would have suited them to keep them fresh and ready to go for, for game two, and it cost you game one. I, I so, hate the way they test. They, they, they rest bowlers. It really irks me. And yes, you know, I come. I grew up in a different sort of time. But if someone was fit, they were playing. Mm. If they're the best, if they're the best bowl you've got for the game. You play them. You don't save them for the next game. And I, this is one of the few things I hate saying it. It makes my skin crawl. But I was agreeing with Shane Warne and well, Mark War. So I was agreeing with Mark War. That's even though he, no, he w- said Shane Warne had the same opinion as Mark. What makes me feel better to say Mark War? Right? Don't okay. call me out of this. England needed to come out all guns blazing for games one and two. Oh, totally. They, especially when they saw the conditions. They're like, if we play our cards right, we could be 2-0 up at the end of the first two games. And then Australia has to win three tests on the trot. Melbourne, we know, is the best possible game for a draw because it's mostly just flat and rubbish. Same as Sydney, you're, gonna get, you're probably going to get rain. So if there's a draw in there... Like, they don't win the Ashes, obviously, but they can't lose them again. So you take a commanding position of the series if they go out and do a good job with their bowlers in games one or two. Best bowling conditions they're going to get of the series. And they did it. They just went went and played the conservative role. Let's keep them rested, keep them fresh. Let's try to get out of the gabber with a draw. Typically, teams don't come out of the gabber with a draw. No, no, no. It's like fortress. That place. I think it's actually called Fortress Gabber or something. something. The Gabatoir. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah Australia's not the same team that turned the Gabba into the, the Gabatoir, but like, you've really got to go in and stamp some authority. And they just came in and just played it safe and got burned. And now they've yielded so much momentum to the Aussies. Warner's feeling good about himself. Labashane's feeling good about himself. Cummins is in the series. Head. Travis Head is over the moon, and he was one of the weak links in that lineup. He was, he was. So you've just yielded so much momentum, and now these guys are coming in, they're feeling good, they've just trounced you. Now, this is a game that Australia typically plays well, yeah. the pink ball test. Who would, who would your player of that, that series, well, the series so far be? The series so far? Well, Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins? Well, yeah. Um, Travis Head, very, very, oh, no, Ooh. No, I like. Can I, can I give it? Can I give it to two? Cummins was phenomenal with the ball. Absolutely phenomenal with the ball. Oh, no, no, I'm changing my vote. I'll have to go ahead. That breakthrough hundred yeah. under trying conditions. It's, it's it's well, you know, you're going to go ahead. I'd probably have to go with Cummins. Like he he would have been so nervous. Like it's just ridiculous. Like you said, I think the pressure was off once he lost the toss. Yep. Because they batted and he's looking at that going, all right, I lost the toss, but I'm looking at that and thinking, yeah, take a bag full of wickets here, get in there, come out hard, and then did what he did. Would have felt a million bucks after that. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good toss to lose. So, But, yeah, so it's going to be big. I think Australia are going to continue on with their winning ways at Adelaide because that's just I what they do. So they win at Adelaide. But, yeah, England, 
Joe Root cannot afford to let the game meander. He has to be aggressive. He has to find ways to take wickets. Um, he has to be aggressive with, with, his, with his field placings. Even if it ends up costing him the game, he has to come out from ball one and be pushing for a win for all five days. I, I, Even if it, you're like, I really need to dry the like, no, bugger your run rate. You've got to find a way to keep pushing for wickets. Like, I, I, I know I really don't like the guy, but the best captain I've seen in years is Virat Kohli. He he will try and win anything, um, and he's he's always always pushing to win. I think the best the best captain that I've seen is Graham Smith. But you're right, Virat Kohli is that yeah aggressive. Oh, definitely. Um, and I, I, there's been a long uh, – off the top of my head, the only captain that I can really think of, English captain, for, for ages that has been a really aggressive, force-the-issue captain has been Michael Vaughan. Everyone yeah. since then has just been a sort of a guy that just lets the game – like they're defensive and they let the game just chug along and – Back that their bowlers in English conditions will get the job done, but there's very few captains that I've seen from England that take the game by the scruff of the neck and force things to happen. The last guy that I remember doing that was Michael Vaughan. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think guys that. like Hussain and Atherton, they were captains of average sides. Yeah. So that sort of hamstrung their ability to be daring, but you know. Since since Michael Vaughan rebuilt that side in 2005 to really take on the Aussies, England have been a, a strong side. There haven't been too many lulls until fairly recently. Yeah. And, you know, Strauss was, wasn't daring. Cook was super defensive. Joe Root largely is super defensive. Um, yeah, so he needs to turn that around. And, and if he can't turn that around, England need to maybe think about finding a captain that can and letting Joe Root just go and be a gun batsman. Because as it is, just letting the game meander is not going to get the job done. Yeah. So yeah, so we're I think that'll probably do us. We've we've rattled it on for a while. Yeah. Super excited with how things have gone. Happy with the first test. I'm super excited about the next one tomorrow. So who do you think is going to be the leading run score, the highest run score for the next test? Who you got any got any early money on anyone? Uh, probably Labuschagne, I think. I'm I'm going to go my boy Smith. I think he's going to be really cranked with himself the way he got himself out at. Uh, oh, he's furious at the Gabba, uh, and I think he's going to be he's going to. I actually think that England will maybe get Australia into a bit of a precarious position, and, I, and a, uh, a champagne innings from Steve Smith will get us out of trouble. That's my prediction, and uh, I think that Cummins again will take a bag full of wickets. I hope Starkey picks up a fiver. Yeah. I really, really do. Then send him home for Christmas and bring him back for, for Hobart. Yeah, lovely. Done. All right, guys, thank you very much for episode 98. We will bring you episode 99 next week, and then we're going to go on a little hiatus until after New Year's, get to Christmas out of the way. So episode 100, the big one, will come to you, come to you guys uh, after the New Year's Day. So you've got just one more Two slips in the galley to enjoy for this year. So you better not make sure you don't miss that one. It's going to be a good one. All right. Until then, guys, go to the Aussies. Yeah. See you, guys. Bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.